Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Desertos The Jungle. And it's uh, your boy Degon here with Monty and Dom. Uh, not that many games covered here, but all impactful, including saying goodbye to two teams in those two major regions across the four or five series that we had. Uh, here, what is it? It's April uh, 18th, uh, the day that we're recording this, and we're saying goodbye to uh, Cloud9 and JDG both getting eliminated from their respective playoff runs. Before we dive into those series and the series that led to those, always ask, Monty, how's your week, man? How are you doing? Uh, great. I'm really happy to say goodbye to both Cloud9 and JDG, considering they were the teams in both playoffs that I wanted to watch the least. So I'm, I'm psyched. I'm psyched. It's all, it's all going great from this point forward. What did JDG do to you? <laughs> Uh, ran through the jungle every single team fight, chasing people until to the four corners of the earth and annoying me. That, that is true. Dom, you got to watch those up close and personal, I'm sure. How was your week? Uh, it was good. Yeah, everything's winding down. I, I got to, uh, you know, spend spend a lot of time actually talking about about G2 last week. So that, that was that was a good time. Uh, G2 is a lot of fans. So if you if you downplay <laughs> any of their accomplishments, it's always a great time. Um, and <laughs> the best thing about G2 fans is they're so mentally ill that they can't even argue based off the things that you've said. They have to then go and lie about what you said and then argue against that. So that is a, that's always a fun time just going back through, <laughs> through, through uh, you know, and then rewriting history and stuff like that. We had, we had a nice little Reddit thread where they're talking about how Vitality's bot lane actually l lost to G2s and, and things like that and how it was uneventful and Karzy was actually getting outperformed. So it was, it was a good week, you know? It was one of those where it's just like, you know, you know, if you do this for long enough, which takes people are going to like and which takes are people are not going to like. And you can just give in and just tell people what they want to hear all the time. But I think that to do this job well, you actually just have to say what you think in the long yeah. term. I think it's just the most beneficial thing for you. So, well, yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows how this is going to go? I, I have a prediction, actually, for this episode. You have a my prediction already. All right. My prediction is when we start dunking on C9 because people really like LS, people are going to actually be pretty happy about that. People want to hear how fucking dumb C9 was for what they did with their fucking coach. Like the whole team was built around C9, or, or around LS, and then C9 got rid of LS. Like people are going to be fine with that. People aren't going to be like, but you guys, why aren't you praising EG more? Why aren't we just talking about how good EG is? Why do we have to talk about how bad C9 is? So it'll actually be the opposite, even though we'll probably be doing the same thing this show as we did last. Uh, we did not rehearse this. This was not rehearsed, but literally I was just scrolling through the comments, which you can hop into and make sure that you are ready to put your comment in every time if you subscribe to the Deserto channel. Make sure to go ahead and do that right now. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, we have one comment here. This Sorry, producer, this is not the one that we had prepared, but it just goes really well with what Dom said. Uh, it goes... I do get that Fnatic and Rogue underperformed, but I've heard that argument for a while now. Can we just state the reasons why G2 won, like their gameplay? I'm generally interested in the opinions of people that understand League better than I do. Yeah, so, so I mean, so, that's literally what we just did. <laughs> well, well, there's a couple things that that I, that I heard, right? Like, so one of one of the the ultimate takes of Copium that I that I I've, I've heard is, well, if Fnatic and Rogue both choked against G2, doesn't that mean that it's just G2 forcing other teams to choke? And it's like <laughs> they're just like cramming, happened, like, they're just cramming a rock down their throat. Yeah, right? well, that's not how like, it works, guys. 
Well, I mean, maybe if it happened like a hundred series in a row, but I Dude, think that like you, two isolated series you, could involve remember, teams underperforming. Do you remember that deranged TSM fan from back in the day who made the Just Tilt Them post on Reddit, which is one of yep. the all-time worst fan takes that I've seen in any esport or sport, and it got massively upvoted. And mm -hmm. the the consent, the what it boiled down to was like. Just tilt them. Like, why aren't you winning against Korean teams? You're not tilting them in game enough uh, and forcing them to lose to themselves. That's not an actual that you can't anticipate that you're going to do that. That's a that's a nice byproduct of having a great mm -hmm. game plan. It is not, in fact, a game plan in and of itself. Just tilt them. You, you got to shake them up, Monty. You got to make them uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you guys remember. There was an article that that said that for solo queue. I think it was called like the flash and bang solo queue uh, approach and it was literally just never give up why do you think these smurfs always stress out the other team because you just want them to fall apart and then people would take that type of thinking and that put that into pro play which is i, I think where that came from where was that i think that was on one of the old uh websites cloth five i think cloth five was was the name of that outlet Holy. that did do you remember that's that? A, that's an OG name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. Like GG <laughs> right. Chronicle or something, you know? <laughs> those old school. One of those old sites. Who knows? Like uh, Riff Review or something. <laughs> Reign of Elements. Reign of Elements. That's the original one. That's how starved people were for content back in the day. They're like, a tier list? Perfect. This is the best thing I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> the champions are rated. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that was a good. And that was ten uh, years ago, and nobody will remember what we're talking about. No, yeah, they won't. Oh man, <laughs> all these youngins. That's okay. That's okay. Search uh, cloth five. It's in. It's on the internet. It exists somewhere. All right, let's start off in the LPL. Let's go LPL first. Uh, oh, also in today's show, we have a special guest joining us. Probably should have started there at the top somewhere. We have uh, TL co CEO. Uh, Stephen Aranset, Ar Ar Aranset, as uh, he was being referred to a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, Big Steve coming on the show. We'll chat a little bit about uh, TL as a whole, TL's league season this week, and of course we'll needle him a little bit about uh, this week's specific um, uh, performance against 100 Thieves. But yeah, uh, it'll be really cool to have Steve come and join us and chat a little bit on the back half of the show. All right, LPL. Uh, we left off at the beginning of the best part of the playoff bracket in all of League of Legends. The After the gauntlet is done, the double elimination bracket with the top four teams still left. We had V5, Top Esports, RNG, and JDG. I don't know why always when I say JDG, I want to say Jindong Gaming because that is what they're called, but they just go by JDG. Uh, and those two series played themselves out. and We got ourselves two losers to play in the loser bracket and had that game done as well. So three series done there. Uh, top Esports and V5. Let's start there. Uh, V5, 2-0, pretty dominant. Top e the beginning of game three looks pretty good as well. And top esports find a way to reverse it around and get the reverse sweep. Uh, Don, let's start with you there. What did you see from this series and, and how did this play out? Well, they, it seems like every team that plays against V5 is now doing the summit approach where you just ban out 
uh, top laners, well, now it's mid laners for rookie, and you just ban out rookie's champions. Four mid laners. Yeah, you just ban like four or five mid laners. You just ban everything in the fucking game against this guy to just stop him from carrying, and you want anyone else to actually step up and carry because Rich has been like pretty good in, in the LPL, but he's not the same threat that rookie is. Like when rookie is playing his Oriana, it just feels like he's going to 1v9 the game um every single time so now teams are just like you can't play ari you can't play oriana and then like if it gets down to four or five it's like okay and syndra and fucking like galio LeBlanc, and, and galio tf like anything Azir. what is he gonna play ban everything Azir. that he plays no i mean it's just rookie things he's just too good uh yeah also uh pp god is actually incapable of playing any support that isn't an early game engaged support is what i learned uh he looked uh, v5 has never seen a fight they didn't like that's what i learned <laughs> except some of these fights come with compositions where they really probably should not be skirmishing around dragon early on and pp god will just completely run it down if he's not playing leona um but luckily for them they could probably just pick leona every game because all the bands are going towards rookies absorbing like f literally four bands when v5 is on blue side um i think you rein in, you actually play to your comp strengths or PP God just plays Leona and this team probably wins LPL. Uh, I think they actually have one of the more fixable problems among the remaining teams because they don't have a, a player that is doing horribly more of the time. I will say that. I think in these playoffs, they're like four and one with Leona and they're like one and three on, on non-Leona champions. Um hmm. I, can you tell me did, what is PP God's champion pool? Because I didn't watch all of V5's games. It's been a recurring problem throughout the the season. I mean, yeah, he's just one of those supports where I, he's definitely the worst player on the team. So okay. we'll, we'll start with that. So he's <laughs> definitely the worst player on the team. And a lot of times, like one thing that the team actually does really well around PP God is, I mean, he's better on tank champions than pretty much anything else. And what they do really well around um, PP God, and you saw it in game one of this series, which I think is probably one of the cleanest games I've seen yeah, in really any region. Game. Like the just the way that they played this game out, it was just like so textbook. If you were going to like, show somebody how to push an advantage in competitive League of Legends and how you like snowball a game perfectly, go watch that game because the way that they like, set up vision and stuff with PB God checking, but everyone like hovering in range so that if you engage on the support, they can still like counter engage. They can still win the fight. And the way that they like push lanes into controlling vision together, I think is just top notch. It just, it, it's one of those things where if PB God is not on a champion, they can do that. How do they actually get themselves in position to take control of areas? Because it doesn't seem like they're completely aware of like, so if Karsa has to face check, is he going to be the one? Like, is, is that necessarily going to be something that you're comfortable doing? Because a lot of the times when they have these comps, if they're playing something like a Viego or a Lee Sin, it's not as easy to follow up on your jungle getting one shot as it is on following up on your support getting one shot because your support will generally be tankier. And also, like, a lot of supports just need to get off, like, an ulti or just get off, like, a CC or something, and um, the fight completely changes. So... Um, yeah, I mean, PB God's definitely the weakness uh, of this team. And I think Rich was playing, has been playing worse in, in the, the last few games than, uh, I remember him. Mean, he had like an awful cannon game. Um, yeah, where he's like getting solo killed by Malphite. I think it was game five of this series. Yep. Uh, they, they literally got aced, uh, like at a dragon fight. And then also at the same time, yeah. well, they, they lost four members at the dragon fight. And then Rich died into a one V one as Malphite ulted him in top lane. It was, it was sad. That, yeah, that it, it, game it was sad. 
It was really <laughs> sad, but I still have like confidence in this team. I would much rather have this team go internationally. Yes, than, uh, I agree top with that. Esports. So I, I think if you if you do have to give the knocks against V five, like I said, it's sometimes they they'll what they do is they'll play aggressively on both sides of the map, even though Carsa is like only on one side of the map, and then sometimes they just randomly int. Um, the other thing that they do is that if they will they don't seem to play when I say they they've never seen a fight they didn't like like they will not play to power spikes or their team compositions like they will fight you with that dragon no matter what happens and perhaps it's because they win a lot of the time when they're playing more early game CC champions on PP god that it makes sense the other reason I think they do it and a unique upside to V5 is that they are one of the best teams in the world at cleaning up after fights like What's so incredible to me about watching Rookie play is like when Rook when they win a fight and Rookie's still alive, he will find a way to like get in your ass and like win harder. He will like be in between turrets. He will chase people down in incredible ways. And so it's like when they win a fight, they win fights harder than almost any other team because they like will go the extra mile or they'll have some like really creative play to like hide somewhere and then like you come back and then you die more. Um so I really like that about V5, and I think they're definitely a, a strong team. It's just I, I think they need certain conditions to succeed, like Dom is talking about with, with a tank support. So if they get that though, and there's by the way, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to get this if rookies absorbing all of these bands. Then I think they can figure these things out. I also think the difference between the top series and the JDG series that they played was them realizing this, and then it was a much cleaner series overall. Yeah, yeah uh, a bunch of Renata games in that first series against top esports. So you got two Renata games, uh, Rakan game, Tom Kench game, but that first win, that was the cleanest and the one that the, is- The Rakan and Tom Kench games were fucking appalling from him. <laughs> yeah. they, were, they were super bad. But then he just plays four Leona games in the next series and you see a massive, massive difference. Yeah, and I, and the thing about like playing a tank support is it's it's not like the biggest weakness in the world to play a tank support if you're just mm -hmm. willing to like play those types of matchups like a Leona versus like a Braum or a Leona versus uh, a Tom Kench. Like these, these are the things that, that counter you. Um, so it's something that you can opt into doing like almost every game. And most supports don't have the champion pool to counter you number one. And then also it's like one of those things where if you're good enough on engage supports and you have like, you understand how to stack waves and like dive with multiple people. If, you, if you're a good team at using that engage, like you can, win a world championship playing with yeah, engaged it's, sports. It's also just one of those things where they're almost always some, they're almost always at least usable in the meta. It's like playing control mages in mid. It's very rare. Like you can always build some sort of composition around these kind of champions. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, again, top esports take the victory here over V5, the number one seed in our first, uh, I guess, double elimination bracket. I guess they're calling it round four in the LPL. And if you were one of those fans that got to watch it, make sure to hit that subscribe button to the Deserto channel because we're being flooded by a lot of uh, EU G2 fans. And that's fine. That's great. But we're giving you the cream of the crop kind of gameplay here in some of the best teams that you should be watching as we go to MSI. And if you are doing that, let me know in the comments and I'll give you a shout out in our next episode. Let's look to our second series that we had. RNG versus JDG. Jindong Gaming took a commanding 2-0 lead as well but then rng find a way to battle back gala finally getting the resources to pop off here uh and go huge bin realizing oh he can play the game because the first 
like three games. He was just kind of there and uh, not really doing too much. And Zhao Hu uh, flipping on over on the Ari into the LeBlanc had a bunch of uh, much better games in game uh, in the later half of the series. So Monty, uh, this so, series here. Oh, uh, I, I, of- I think I think like you see both in this series and in the series that RNG played against top esports. RNG has to be like I think they're. I think they're worse than both V5 and top. And that's going to sound crazy considering that they beat top three, one. Um, but this RNG team has like some very, very serious flaws and way on early game junglers is a f- absolute liability. Like he actually is just like a gold delivery system into the enemy team. He has to be on like a scaling jungler, um, like having him on the Viego is a great idea. Having him on Volibear or Lee Sin is tragic. <laughs> um, even though, and people will say, well, he got some steals in the top series. Like, yes, he actually did have some extremely important plays in the late game in the top series, but also top through a lot of those games. Like top probably should have won every single game in the series versus RNG. And to me, they're just extremely one dimensional. Like it's basically like, how hard it's they create a deficit due to their drafts and way being terrible at these early game junglers. And then it's like, how hard can Gala carry these games uh, doing massive damage on like a four item Aphilios? And I, I just, I can't imagine this team doing well at an international level or I, I'm, I'm shocked they're in the, the finals from the upper bracket because they create deficits that they should not be able to overcome. Frankly, like it is ridiculous that they are in the in the finals through the upper bracket. Dom's muted. He pressed equals again. I pressed equals. Wait, when did I press equals? <laughs> Wait, when did I press equals? I'm trying to think about what I would when I would have pressed equals. Um, yeah, no, uh, for for RNG versus TES, like I I think that that the Leeson games were fine. I mean the. The game four, he literally just gets fucked because of level one. Like, and then game yes. three, I think he actually has a good Lee Sin game. So I, I don't think that Lee Sin is a champion that he's bad at. I think that um, just in in general, they just are playing poorly early game. And it's really weird that Wei is like, like having these issues playing like Volibear specifically because like he was a really good early game jungler for a long period of time. I mean, I, I think that like at MSI, I thought he was the best jungler at that tournament, which is... Huge to say because Canyon was obviously at that tournament. So it, it's strange to me that Way is like struggling so much. And the other thing that's really weird about RNG is that they always play towards topside, but their bot lane is always fucking doing so well. Like their bot lane <laughs> is the best bot lane in LPL um, in terms of a duo. Like Ming and Gala are so fucking good together. Gala is still, in my opinion, top two AD carry in the entire region. Um, I'm, I'm surprised the at the limits. The I'm surprised watching these games at the limits that Gala and Ming know. Like they know they knew all like some really interesting all ins that would get mm-hmm. kills. And I was like, I didn't even know it was possible to get that kill right there. Yeah, the Tristana Rail one is that yes, one. Yes, the, the Tristana Rail one. I was like, what the fuck? And like you could yeah. tell, you could tell that Jackie Love and and Mark didn't know that it was possible for them to die there. Yeah, because especially like the way that they like in, engage it where it's like they know it's like, okay, so if Tristana jumps and then he gets he gets exhausted, then he cleanses he cleanses the exhaust and flashes the Tom Kench knock up, then it's just a straight up kill. It's like it's there's <laughs> nothing else, it's just a straight fucking kill. So <laughs> I mean, I think that yeah, it's, I watched it's that really... like five times. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The real, but you know, what's so tragic is like, he gets this solo kill in lane and then what do they do? They just play fucking topside for the rest of the game. And then 
the thing about Ben is like, okay, sure, they make the dive have happen top. They have like the rise Lee Sin going towards the the cannon top side. They put the Jace behind, but then like Wei and Ben just make like some uh, some horrible mistake. And as soon as they make that mistake, the whole top lane lead is gone. At the whole time, Gulla is like just getting punished on the other side. He's having to give up waves. He's having to like sack turret plates. And the enemy AD carry is just getting into the game and getting ahead of him when he's actually playing better. So I feel like Gulla. I don't know how he's not super tilted every fucking game because <laughs> if I was on the team, I'd be like, look, like, let's be real here. The game he's is reverse Uzi. Drown the like, puppy. Yeah. Drown <laughs> the fucking puppy. <laughs> if, if I'm carrying every fucking game and I'm like, and like Gull is the type of AD where he's not making major mistakes. Like he, he doesn't just randomly run it down. And that's a quality that a lot of AD carries don't have. Like even Gumayushi, that would be probably Gumayushi's biggest flaws that sometimes like he, Gumayushi gets ahead in lane. And then like, sometimes when he's just holding mid, he'll just die. Like, to like a three man or something where it's like, all right, like you probably just shouldn't die there. You are just not respecting the enemy team enough. Um, he's like, I but, must auto this turret one more time. And then he just gets caught and dies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, when you see Gala, like give up that death in the game, normally it's like, it's just a desperation thing where the team's so far behind yeah. that he's like, okay, I'm like going to have to flash into this team fight. It's the only way that we're, we're going to be able to uh, win games. So I, I feel like RNG is just like their early game is so much worse than it should be. And, and if they match up into a team like T1, I think it's fucking doomed because, because T1's biggest strength is early game. So it's like, it's the opposite of what it should be. But the, the punish from T1 against a team like RNG would be abs like the clap would be unbelievable. Or yeah. they, they would just get an unrecoverable position. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I would want to say. But then like, I feel like there's some games watching T1 that like RNG would win because RNG because T um T1 does throw games. It's just that normally like when they throw games they just come right back and just like win the next fight. Like for example, game 3 of finals was a game where I feel like RNG is the type of team where you give them that like little bit late game, they make better decisions around like objectives than most teams in the world. And that's something that when they were at their best, when they won MSI, that was always their biggest strength. Like they were the best team around Baron in the world, bar none. And that was something that people thought Domwon was going to be better at. They're like, oh shit, of course, like the rookie jungler and shit is not going to come in here. I mean, it was technically a second year, but the 18 year old jungler is not going to come in here and just be like super confident around objectives. But normally RNG is, has always been really, really good um, at capitalizing mid to late game on uh, like enemy teams uh, miss macro, I guess you yeah. call it. You know, I'll say this about the finals. Like I think T1 played worse in those finals than they have at many other points throughout this season. And I think a lot of it was because they were literally sick with COVID. I also think for what it's worth that these LPL games are probably weird because they're playing from home because they seem pretty sloppy in a way that I'm not sure they would be on stage. They were pretty sloppy, like throughout most of the split on stage, but it's just like one of those things where like, even when, when, when I like, I mean, look, whenever I doubt LPL, I'm always fucking wrong. Right. So, like it's one of those things where I'll always like, until I see like them get shit on internationally a couple times, I'm always going to give them a chance. Like I'm never, I'm never going to go into MSI and be you like, know, yeah, T1, T1 will beat them a hundred percent of the time. I think uh, one of the strengths of RNG too, is like, I really like some of their drafts. Um, uh, the, the game two draft where uh, that was the Gwen Hecarim Galio Jinx Galio. Leona game mm -hmm. into the Rise Trundle Gragas Aphilios Rakan. Like, I really like this draft against the short range comp that top is running. I usually don't like Gwen, but against low mobility carries, I think Gwen can be quite strong. And so for this game, they have so much CC in order to empower the Gwen and the Jinx and like get on top of the carries that 
people will look at this game and like there are certainly big criticisms you can have of top esports, such as Knight was five oh and three at eight minutes into this game and then just did mm -hmm. nothing to create advantages with picks with Realm Warp. And they tried to fight the five v five, which is really hard against RNG's composition with the composition that they had. But the draft was really good into Top's composition. And I think they played it out nicely despite the massive early game hole that they had. So I feel like, you know, these drafts are interesting for RNG. It's just that they themselves sometimes struggle in the early game. And it, it's, it feels like a comeback scenario for them and that top esports can't play out their compositions properly. So even though there have been early game struggles, I feel like RNG's awareness of, of, Comp compositional win conditions was much better than tops in this series. Yeah. Just to give a quick shout out then, uh, the coaching staff there for them, Kenju and Tabe, obviously Tabe from, he's been he's around back. in the, he's, <laughs> he's back. He's back. He's still there. Kenju was uh, a, one of the coaches on the coaching staff that won from EDG last year. EDG retained yep. their head well, coach. Tabe was, was, Tabe was on RNG all of last year. He just wasn't able to make yeah. the international tournaments because of visa stuff so mm, yeah. he didn't actually make msi but he was there listed as their coach at least so we've got ourselves three teams still left in the lpl dom you've very much highlighted multiple times here the last two uh gauntlet runs or i guess the last two playoffs that the L since the lpl has implemented this style uh, a team that has come from the bottom side of the bracket eventually has won the finals. That, in this case, would be V5 because they lost that first match against Top Esports. They get the rematch mm -hmm. here against Top Esports. The winner of that will play RNG in the finals. Who you got moving forward here with the matches uh, coming up in a couple days here, the 20th and the 23rd of March, uh, April? I mean, I just hope that TS doesn't go internationally because I cannot watch <laughs> TN run it down again under pressure. Like, please, like, please. I've seen this guy fucking run it down way too much. I just need like a break. You also saw him me... win Worlds, so. I... <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was, was also like... maybe the best player on that team that won Worlds. Did I, I, well, maybe, maybe. I know he got finals MVP and stuff, but I always thought that that was like a do and B team. Like, it's pretty hard That's to look bad as a jungler when your mid laner is literally just grouping with you from like three minutes on. Where it's just like, oh, well, it's everything is just outnumbered because my mid laner I'm a literally I'm a do and B hater, so you're never going to convince me of this, but okay. Yeah. I've always been do and B's number one hater. That's, that's just, no, I, I that's, just L, that, that's LS and Malice for sure. <laughs> like, last, last Worlds, I think coming into that Worlds, they had him like fifth best mid going into that tournament, which is like pretty crazy considering that he had like a, a fucking insane MVP split. He was literally dicking everyone. And I would just be, I would just guess that they didn't, no one watched like him actually just play these games because that was yeah, probably I think the most, most impressive split we've ever seen. I should say, like, I, I'm a reformed Doonby hater because Doonby reformed his play style where he could actually play normal shit and was doing really well last year. So I was I was much encouraged. I just didn't appreciate his weird niche picks in the same way that back in the day, I also hated Messiah. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th yeah. I think the, the thing about his, his niche picks was they became, like, actually, like, every time that he picked something weird, it always had a purpose in the game like it, it wasn't like he would just pick weird stuff it, and also i think the, the meta um uh, last summer that was when lee sin mid was a huge thing and that's just a fucking do and be champion right there so like he was just popping off like he got like a fucking pentakill on lee sin mid and like silas was really prevalent on the meta up until world so there was a lot of picks that just like i mean if we're talking about a melee mid meta you're not going to find many players that are 
uh, better than than doing be at playing consistent melee mids. He just really understands like how to lose lane gracefully when he doesn't have range, like which CS to go for, which CS to give up, like all that type of stuff. Where other mid laners just have an aneurysm anytime they have to give up like a melee minion. They're like, no, I'll lose my health bar here. Like, it's worth it. Like, I got one. Like, so, yeah, I mean, I just yeah. can't watch T TN go internationally again. I will never, I, I can't have confidence in this guy because like. He's very he's, flippy. I mean, he's, but it's not even like he, like when he's good, he plays like a solid good jungle, but it's just, he becomes another player when he's under pressure, like two finals last. He choked in both finals last year and at Worlds. <laughs> that's fucking crazy like that that's like everything like he choked every single big moment that he had and he got to go to like the biggest moments like finals twice from the upper bracket too like i don't know it was it, it, i'm just i'm just a tn hater um and yeah i just think that there's more upside to v5 and, and rng i mean i think that rookie is like somebody who can just carry games against anyone in the yes. world and I think that RNG, it's like... I mean, the fact that he's drawing Orianna bands in this meta is actually yeah. insane. One, two, three Orianna bands. Not yeah, like yeah, a yeah. four, on, five... One, like... two, three Orianna bands from the red side team onto blue yep. side. Like, that is yep. crazy. That is crazy. Yep. Yeah, I just I just uh, think that, uh, that also RNG, like, RNG doesn't have to be this terrible at early game. Like, there's times where they're not terrible at early game, and I think the fact that they're really good at other aspects of the game... I mean, they could just tell Way not to gank. That would probably help. <laughs> I mean, it's not even like it's, it's just not even like it's not even about not ganking. Just like read the situations. Like you know no, no, no. what he, what he does. He'll just like run into the turret and like die. Like what he needs to do is just shadow lanes and just like be there in case something happens when his lane pushes out. But just don't commit to the fight unless they engage onto you. I actually think that would solve a lot of the problems. I mean, he's he's a mechanic. Like the thing about about Way is like when he's at his best, he's a mechanically insane jungler. I mean. Like, look, you don't get to, to fucking be ranked two on the Korean ladder by being a fucking dog shit early game jungler. Like, that's just not how it works. I just think that I just think that in general, they're just not a, like they, they make their plan. And then it's like they're so ingrained in what the plan is that they don't take a second to just play the League of Legends that's on the screen. So, like, you can have like, oh, we have like bot push so we can go for a dragon right now. But then if circumstances change, like your mid gets chunked or your bot can't move yet, like you don't have to fight every single time right there. You need to be able to like in the game, call audibles and make decisions based off like the, the finer details, not just the overall like we've got bot and mid push and I'm going to take Drake. We take Drake here, you know, right. like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter this with with something else, which is that I think like for for me, one of the disturbing parts about top is that they find they they invent new ways to lose, right? Which is like the, what I what I could like. If you look at the games they lost in the RNG series, they lost in very different ways in each of the games. They lost in game two because they couldn't translate an incredibly fed rise into picks or side lane pressure. They lost in game two because they failed to they flipped they unnecessarily flipped a Baron and lost it to a way steal. And then the game snowballed against them. And then in the final game of the series in game four, they were getting antsy because they were concerned about the scaling of RNG's composition. They dive into the enemy base instead of taking objectives, all die and then lose Baron. So like the number of mistakes that I see top making in different scenarios, different ways in the mid and late game is disturbing. Or it's a lot of great learning lessons on what not to do next time because they are. Okay, but, but here's but, but D-God, here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's great for an X split. The problem is I, I tend to look at these games and think 
who can fix these problems the fastest by the time the end of this week rolls around? And if you have this many problems as top, I'm not so confident. When I already see problems being mostly fixed on V5 by the time they play JDG, I have a lot more confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, uh, rookies, I think they, yeah, they just have, to draft PP got on those engages. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's that. And then it's also just like you, you know what the, the general strategy is going to be, because literally top can't beat you if rookie gets like three or four champions. Like there's like some champions that if rookie plays them, you just can't win. So like it's so hard for TS to adapt in their prep unless their their prep is just going to be like we've suddenly learned how to lane against like Oriana or something and like or like Ari is not that big of a deal for rookie to play anymore. I mean. That's pretty much the conditions that that you know you're going into. So I think it's so much easier for V5 to prep because they got beat one way. Like there was only one way mm -hmm. to actually defeat them. And then whenever they got standard games, like the first two games, it, I mean, Rookie just looked really fucking good. And even though yep. they probably should have lost that game too. Yeah, I think that they're, uh, they'll be able to fix it. So uh, let's say V5 wins. You take V5 over RNG. Look, all, all I all I know is this: with most with the most recent available evidence, having watched all of these games, the most yep. recent available evidence we have is top should have won every single game in a four game series. And how many times does a team win four games but lose a series three one? That almost never happens. Usually, if you win four games, you would maybe win three two. Like this is this is very very unusual that you would have these level of leads or these level of advantages and you would actually lose this series in four games um the other thing is that the the latest available evidence on the v5 side was that rookie was still drawing a million bands they were actually fixing many of the mistakes that they played against the against top they seemed like they had a definitive way they wanted to play the game and that way was very effective and we didn't see a team be able to ban them out of playing that way right so right if they can play their way and of you know even under the heavy pressure of all these bands on rookie then i think you could feel pretty confident because over the course of the series what's going to happen is if they keep losing to that then eventually some of those rookie bands are going to get dropped and then rookie's going to play one of those champions and he's going to destroy them so i think it's it's very difficult to see how top how top like wins that matchup in spite of them winning it before just because it was it was very depressing to watch them throw so many games. Yep. All right. Well, there you guys have it at home. You've got Top Esports trying to do what FPX back in 2021 wanted to do, which was make it all the way to the finals and finish it off as a fifth seed. So they would be the first team not seeded in the top four to win. Uh, and then you've got the regular season number one in V5, regular season number two in RNG waiting in their wings. I, V5, just interesting roster because they're the only roster that has, uh, oh, that's not true because uh, Tabe, Tabe is from Hong Kong, but uh, for RNG, but they're the only ones still with imports. So the other imports with Rich, Karsa, Rookie, uh, Nofei, the coach, and uh, Zero, the coach as well. So uh, V5, a little bit more international flavor. Well, V5 has to win because... Uh yeah, Koreans are just the reason why China wins. Even though somehow there's like Koreans in Korea. I, I don't know how the math works out, all right? But I, all I know is the only reason that LPL is winning is because they have Koreans. So that's that. <laughs> too, too much Reddit. Too much Reddit for you, Dom. <laughs> yeah, I haven't completely figured out that argument, but we'll, we'll get there eventually.
All right. Uh, those matches will happen starting April 20th at 2 a.m. And then the finals uh, April 23rd at 2.30 a.m. All times Pacific. Uh, adjust to your own risk. Okay. Uh, it's time now for everyone's favorite segment. It's LCS time. Well, I guess maybe not favorite. Uh, just uh, most polarizing segment. Let's go there. Uh, we had our upper bracket semifinals yeah our upper bracket semifinals and our elimination quarterfinals i guess lower bracket quarterfinals uh where we had cloud nine up against um evil geniuses and hundred thieves and team liquid let's start with the cloud nine stuff first it it, it it, it was a quick series. Evil Geniuses dispatched Cloud9 3-0. I was there in the media room. It was underwhelming. The media room, Dion. The what, was the, room. what was the vibe of the media room? The vibe in the media room was like... If it had an aura, what color would the aura of the media, media room be? The aura would have been uh, deep blue. Evil genius okay. is blue because it was just <laughs> depressing that everyone was going through this slightly hopeful that maybe cloud nine could have made uh V five esque changes towards the draft with bands going towards one player. And then maybe not drafting that the same way that you did when you lost beforehand and just seeing it happen over and over again was just kind of bewildering and, and mostly depressing uh, for people that wanted to see a good series, not necessarily want to see cloud nine win, but just want to see a good series. Uh, and, and we got none of that. We, we got a good dose of what we thought we would see in that first game. It was, Oh, it's Owen seven summit dying again. There he is cloud nine, not in position to capitalize anywhere. I wonder what these comms look like. I wonder if they're depressed. I wonder, there's just a lot of wondering and no answers. And, uh, yeah. That was you didn't get any insight nice. into talking to the team at all, any of your interviews? So we did. I uh, got to chat with Fudge afterwards, and you know, I, I asked for Fudge and Summit, and I was like, they're going to give me Fudge, aren't they? Yeah. They're, 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 it was enough so that I knew that they would give me someone. And Fudge was... He did not throw anyone under the bus. He did say that they needed to prioritize... Uh, what did he say? He said, we needed to wait the fact that these ganks on the top side are punishable more in our practice. We needed to do that and we didn't. We saw that this was happening all season and we just, it didn't matter because he was smashing lane. But then when we took away smashing lane, that was still there. Everyone figured out, we knew it was a problem too, but it feels like we didn't wait it enough in our practice. Um, he said they liked their drafts, which I thought was crazy. Um, and- Well, at least somebody did, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, uh, you can you can read through the lines there because he because when Fudge says that they like the drafts, at least in the previous interviews that I've seen, he's like, as a team, we decided that the drafts were good, which it's like, what the fuck does that mean, motherfucker? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, like what it was, a, it, was a, it was a Fudge, lot of that. It Fudge, was a lot you of tell that. me, does Fudge like the drafts? That's the yeah, question. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, well, like. There's no I in team, and Fudge is a member <laughs> three, of Cloud three Nine. Three out of five Cloud Nine members agreed in Korean that these drafts were good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really strange. It's really strange to me just looking at the drafts and then like wondering why the coaching staff pretty much just failed to to align the team's vision into what like they think, right? Because I think one of the the huge aspects of coaching is being able to like 
get people to buy into your philosophy and be able to like know what you need to say and you know motivate people to play the way you want and do things the way you want it and it feels like the c9 coaching staff like even when you hear like vagar talk uh, on stream it's like are any of these people actually like good people leaders or are they just smart at the game like is vagar and max water are they just smart at the game or do they actually have like coaching experience do they know coaching philosophy do they read books from like great coaches and try to to figure out what their shortcomings are in terms of getting the team to see the game the way that they want to see it it feels like there's a disconnect there because i mean essentially what i'm getting from it is that like no Vigar v2 doesn't like the drafts fudge doesn't like the drafts the fucking koreans like the draft because the the mentality is oh would t1 win this game like would would t1 win this game with this draft and it's like oh well you know probably like pro probably they, they they would win this game so then it's not a draft issue we should just play better that's what ls said verbatim on his stream um and i would guess that you know from being within the team he probably has a pretty good fucking idea as to what's going on um in terms of the way they think but like you have a full split like as a coach why is this still happening at playoffs like shouldn't shouldn't this be like something that maybe happens like earlier on through the split and then you're able to correct it like look we've seen coaches in professional sports have to deal with like way more fucking crazy problems than maybe like a difference of opinion of of draft in a video game right like you've I think, you hear I, some I, phil Dom, jackson stories it's crazy yeah yes tom but also phil jackson was not 21 years old trying to be a head coach like exactly and it's not it's not a reflection on max waldo who was not intending to be in this position so Correct. don't go Correct. and trash it trash him guys um, but I do think that there is a, there having such a young head coach is is when you don't have a lot of life experience or you know maturity to deal with the you know highly emotionally charged situations. Um, it can be it can be hard. I think it can be very hard. I mean, it just feels like the way that the conversations probably go are just based off like gameplay. It's like here here is why I think what I think, and it's like it, like there has to be something else that you can say to uh, to like sum it or berserker or winsome adds like a human that will get them to buy into what you're saying outside and like they have hey. translate like revan is there with them all the time right and revan speaks fluent korean so there should be like an, a way that they can get the players to buy in but yeah i mean that's just one of the things that I, I i see as lacking within c9 it feels like they have like a lot of like smart people about the game but i just don't know which one of them will actually lead the the team like and bring yeah. people together you, you got to be a leader of men in a, in a in a difficult situation, and right now you have a lot of great minds of the game, but not not yeah. So I, I think that's a difficult position to be in, and it felt like it was on full display. One thing that Fudge did say was that he felt like Game Three's draft was the most playable, and felt like the most uh, the one where they Definitely. had the biggest amount of uh, of leeway, I, and that felt most execution. He thought, I mean, he didn't I feel too bad about Game Two though. I. I, I mean, I think the game three draft was also, I, I think it was problem. All their drafts, I think were problematic. Like my question about the game three draft is like, how do you ever kill Zeri with cloud nine's composition? It's extremely difficult to chase the Zeri down. Even if you have a really good TF port into the back line, uh, locking her down long enough to deal the damage to kill her is really hard with their comp. Um, and they gave up the Zeri 
every single game, which I think was extremely predictable if you're EG because they love to play either Zeri or Jinx. Like they they're locked into in these playoffs, these scaling lanes. So they knew they were going to first pick Zeri. And in my mind, if you know they're going to do that, you better have options for locking down the Zeri. And they didn't have lo options. So I question... I mean, they themselves were banning Nautilus, which is confusing if you know that this is going to be the scenario that unfolds when they're going to take the mm -hmm. Zeri, right? At least give yourself some more opportunities to try and counter it. Uh, so, I mean, he maybe he's happy with it. I, I personally wouldn't be very happy with it because as soon as Zeri starts to get into he late said it's game... the most playable. Like, that doesn't mean he's happy with it. He says, oh, that's that, Okay, that's fair. Playable. That's fair. We can parse yeah. his language. It, I yeah. guess yeah. technically that's true. It was the, the most playable. Uh, I actually think their game two draft was technically the most playable, but Summit getting behind basically just nukes the nukes their their ability to play this composition. Well, I mean, it was look, Summit getting behind and Victor getting an evolution at level five or six or something like that, just super early on. But look, here, here's the thing: when you look, like Fudge has been on a lot of uh, co streams of LS, right? Like. Max Waldo is literally just a mini LS. Like if you ever, I mean, I, I literally had draft discussions in, in voice comms during worlds where we were on both sides of things. And you could just tell based off like the verbiage that he was using that he literally at that point last year in October saw the game the same way as LS. Viger V2, you can tell that based off what he's saying when he talks to LS was aligned with LS on a lot of the things that, that LS was saying about why the drafts were bad. Like the Kali on four in game one was like so fucking out of place. Like it was just mind blowing that that happened. Right. So if you have all these people with their idea of the game, they must think these drafts are shit. They must think these drafts are shit, but that of course. But because of course. Right. So then that means that they completely capitulated and just let the let the people on the team, whoever was right. I, like, I don't know where Blabber stands. He's kind of in the middle, but it's like, it looks like there's like a division between like the Koreans and then like Look, the LS here's, camp. Here's, here's what we know. Uh, I agree with you, Dom. The, the only logical conclusion is that considering that all of these people align with LS's views on the game, unless one of them has gone rogue, which I doubt, mm -hmm. uh, which I doubt, <laughs> yeah. then they must disagree with these drafts. Ergo, there is there is a terrorist inside Cloud Nine holding the team hostage. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, maybe. It, yeah, okay. It's one of, what's the way to word it? It's at least one of the players. I think that's the that's the natural that's the natural. They make uh, it sound like Summit. All this. They so make it they, sound like Summit has a. They make it sound opinion. like Summit, but it could be. You know, this is like a game of mafia where you're trying to figure out who's killing people, okay. but we don't well, exactly we can, know. We can get. Well, we have yeah. strong guesses. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of two people, right? Because because right. Winsome isn't even on the team anymore, right? So that means it either has to be Berserker or Summit. But when you look at all the champions that are being played, the cha the the drafts are never weird because of what Berserker plays. It's always what Summit is playing that makes it. It's like the Renekton, right? It was like the Jason to the Orin Doctor. The, it's always Summit's the, pick that's fucking weird. What about the sneaky blabber? What about the sneaky blabber? You don't think it's that? <laughs> no, no, I don't think it's that. So so, it's like, so Summit Summit is. Summit is the most sus right now, right? I mean, it has to like, I, I don't know. Okay. So, so the, in the Among back. Us Cloud Nine edition. <laughs> yes. I'm voting Summit every time. I don't care what you, he says. You, you're throwing Summit out the airlock. <laughs> yes. I'm fucking shooting him straight out that airlock like every single okay. time. We're, I agree. I, I also vote Summit out the, the Cloud Nine airlock. Okay. But oh, here's man. the question Does. 
does that mean that they actually vote him off the airlock literally <laughs> meaning like are, is he going to end up on a different team yes split? 100 he's done yeah okay look it wouldn't it wouldn't be the first time jack kicked an mvp off his roster a reigning so MVP. so yeah. i i i couldn't i i couldn't bring myself to ask like hey you kicking summit so the way that i asked it was um so, will, Dion, you have not voted will, Summit out of the airlock. Are you a Summit collaborator trying to cover up for him? I, I just hold on, hold on, hold on. I, <laughs> I, I just, I'm giving more context. I asked Fudge. I asked Fudge. This is how I played Among Us, anyways. I wait till the end. I asked Fudge, will we see Fudge in the mid lane next split? Will we see Fudge in the mid lane next split? Because, you know, there's talk about him going back up there. You know, he's getting a lot of, uh, a lot of flack. And so he said, oh, yeah, I, I, I intend on it. I love playing mid lane. I think so. And so it was like, cool. I mean, he, he answered that one pretty quickly. And after that, I was like, I can't. I couldn't ask, like, hey, what do you think the roster is going to be next split? Because they have, like, a bunch of different people's. Ven's also yeah. sitting on the bench somewhere just hanging out. So I was like, there's, there's way too many iterations for him to give me a straight answer without, like, straight incriminating somebody. So, yeah. yes, I'm also on the, I'm on the summit. Emergency on the meeting. Summit. Take too long. Okay, so you are <laughs> voting him out of the airlock. <laughs> it's just crazy to think how far someone fell from MVP form to crap like in, in, like, three weeks. If it, yeah, it's three or four weeks. That's it. Well, he's it, sabotaging it, the fucking spaceship, dude. Sometimes, but you but have to like, get rid of him. but like, is that actually the thing, or do they need like a different head coach? Like, do is does somebody else become the head coach that can actually like do the job? Because, look, I mean, maybe like if someone is actually that difficult to work with, where it's like he just refuses to to compromise at all, then I guess you have to do that. But you, like for me, I think the thing that's so weird is that every time you hear like Max or Vagar or like Fudge talk it's like they they want to to play both sides they want they don't want yep. to seem like the bad guy but at the yep. same time they don't want to say that they actually like believe in anything that the team is doing which is just like so what the fuck like how like it can't yeah, they be shit both, on right? what the team is doing right yeah well, it's I your mean, team it's your well, it's team like, i don't know what's going like, on over there it's fucking weird it's super weird. It's super weird. It's like you can't just like keep your 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 viewpoint publicly and be like, this is what I think, and then like it not be fucking awkward. Well, it's like, well, shit, like you didn't do anything of what you just told me. So like, I mean, you you had to change your heart. You came you every time I've talked to you before, you've said that Renekton is a piece of shit champion, and especially right now after like Gorgers got changed and you know Renekton got nerfed a while back, whatever, um, and champion meta change like. So Renekton was a shit champion then when it was like super high presence around the world and it was actually looking, but now when it looks terrible every time someone picks it, now it's a good champion. Like, I just, I can't, I can't believe it. Like, it just, it, to me, it's just like, come on, man. Like, you can't have both. You can't have both. So to me, it just seems like they just refuse to like challenge Summit in terms of what they want him to pick. And I guess at the end of the day, it is his pick, but you can't just throw your hands up and be like, well, what can I do, man? Like, if my top laner doesn't want to play, he doesn't want to play it. Like there has to be critical thinking. There has to be steps he can take to actually get people on board. I just don't believe that it's an unfixable problem. That summit is like that much of a fucking like I don't know. Just a uh, uh, just he's that impossible to deal with. That um, yeah, that you can. And like if that is the case, then you literally should have benched him like after week one of playoffs, not like, not like brought in fucking Darshan and Isles. Like if it's actually that severe where you That's can't, cause true. you're not, 
you're not coming close to winning this series, right? So if it actually is that much of an issue, then you have to fucking make the hard roster change and bench summit before you get into the lower bracket. So, oh man, well, it's too late. I mean, Dom. We already threw him into space, so he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. We'll find <laughs> out. No, it's, it was actually it was actually Isles. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. It was a big brain Isles getting yeah, on. It was the actually roster. Blabber. Blabber just loves playing with Renekton, so <laughs> he was afraid to tell uh, Fudge to play Renekton because Fudge was a lot bigger. But he thought he could actually take Summit in a fight potentially. So able <laughs> to get him. Get, get, oh, get him to how many well. how how many Blabbers do you think it would take to fight Fudge? Like at least three. Uh, like three. 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 <laughs> I'm I'm a big guy and standing next to Fudge, I'm just like, you are so big. He's such a <laughs> tall dude and he fits within that form fitting Puma tracksuit every time. I'm like, how does this work? Uh, <laughs> all right. He's the mountain, man. Okay, so let's cut it here. Or not cut, but we're gonna basically bring Wait, what in about Steve. EG? What about we will okay. we'll finish talking about EG afterwards. We'll finish talking because Steve's ready now, I think. EG is so. really good. We got it. We got to give them credit. We don't want to be shitting on C9 the whole time, guys. <laughs> Joining us for the first time ever, we're getting an owner as a guest on The Jungle. It is Big Steve from Team Liquid, co-CEO of Team Liquid. Uh, welcome to the show, man. How, how's it going? How's this year been for you? Uh, things are good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's good to uh, see you, Dom, Monty. It's been a minute. Um, yeah, things are good, man. I, uh, this, this, oh, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Thanks, Steve. I Thanks, mean, Steve. We just don't know each other the same way. I mean, I lived with right. Dom for like years. So. That's true. That's true. All right. Pizza story. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. no, things are good this year. You know, we, uh, we put together a pretty good roster, made some investments in the off season and, uh, panned out so far with the lock in win and then placing first in the regular season. And, uh we lost our game against 100 thieves the other day but you know it's not it's not over yet yeah uh let's let's go back into this roster creation first uh the, yeah the tell me here's, here's a story i here's the story i want to hear what was the process of wooing bjergsen did you have to write him you know you know did you go through the typical measures of like writing him poetry sending him flowers to bring him into the team liquid fold how did you get him to break up with tsm were you just so much hotter like how did this happen well so <laughs> let, let me let me just give my prediction first so i think that steve probably just showed up with just a piece of paper and on the piece of paper was the TSM roster that he would have been playing with. <laughs> with TSM. And also just a number of the amount of money he could make on Team Liquid. Yeah. Um, he was just like, here, here, this is, no, it doesn't even need the money. It's just, this is what you would have to play with if you don't join TL. Oh, and by the way, you know, we have Hansama, Korja, J. Whippo, like, world champion, like people that have done well at Worlds. Hansama, one of the best Western players at Worlds last year. Whippo, somebody who did well at Worlds for, for years, uh, made even a final, like, I think it was a pretty easy decision if if you're motivated to win, which I know Beard's You know, Steve being from the finance world as well, probably he was just like, look, man, you know, this Reggie news is about to break. Here's the valuation <laughs> of your TSM stock. It's just like, you know, down and to the right. You better sell and leave at the same time, right? <laughs> hey. Sell, sell at the peak, Bjork said. Sell at the peak. <laughs> yeah, sell high. Um, no, for real. I mean, uh, I think our time in League of Legends has really set a precedent that we are here to win. I think that's been from the jump. We have always tried to build competitive rosters and we've built more competitive rosters when budgets increased. 
Um, and I think we've done a pretty damn good job of selling sponsorships. I don't know if this is true, but I think we probably have the top sponsorship revenue of any other esports team in the world for probably, I don't know, five years running. So, you know, we have bigger budgets to put together competitive rosters and a lot of different games. So I think, you know, when shit was going down at TSM and I don't know the specifics associated with it, he wanted to go and talk to other teams. And when he was granted permission to go and do that, he reached out to me and we talked a little bit about what the roster might look like. That was dovetailing from a conversation that Jensen and Bjergsen were having about having a role swap situation happen and have Jensen go, go and play AD under the condition that Bjergsen would come in and play mid. And so we were leaning into those conversations and that was actually going to be close to what the roster was going to end up being. And when Hans became an option, it was like, well, oh shit. Like, Jensen got the ultimate betrayal. He was like, I hope you enjoy streaming. I would play (laughs) with you, but also Hansama's a bit, I'm going to go with that. So goodbye. Goodbye, I mean, it it was a little awkward. (laughs) Yes, but I, (laughs) I mean, I don't don't blame you. That was the correct decision to make, but Jensen did get, he played himself. He played himself. Yeah. But I mean, this, this, this is the thing though. Like all of these conversations are out in the open. Like, you know, we're super transparent. We're talking about what this is going to be. And, You know, it's like, well, are we a more competitive roster with option A or option B? And so, you know, in tried and true TL fashion, we built a win. So we put together the best roster that we can. And so when that started to formulate and things were close, then I needed to substantiate the business case associated with doing a larger investment into League of Legends and then with Worlds coming up and being in North America and our sponsorships were doing really well and we were going to do some additional sales because you've got Mexico City and San Francisco and and Madison Square Gardens and you know like oh we can do on-site activations we can earn additional revenue there we can offset that with the cost of doing the roster you know this is probably year we want to go bigger And then at the same time, there were other, you know, there were top spenders in the league were divesting in League of Legends and pulling back after having spent a considerable amount and being like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, this isn't working out as we had planned. And uh, so we felt like, hey, let's strike while it's hot. Like some of the other teams are divesting. Let's invest. And this is a good year to do it. So it made good business sense. So both on the financial side and putting the roster together and Bjergsen, you love the roster, right? He's like. If I'm going to come back from coaching, I want to fucking win. So, yeah. I like, uh, I like how much, how different that is from when I played where I was like, okay, Dom, we can offer you five candy bars and a mouse pad. And I'm like, perfect. That's, you know what? I'll, I'll play for three. Like, and, and you can, what, what you, were, you were living in like the cursed CEO's like apartment in San Francisco. Oh, their, their time, apartments. Right? Like I was never, uh, I was never a fan of, no, I wasn't, I never lived there. I lived in the the house in Vegas, which was really nice. And then I moved to uh, the apartments in, is it, I don't even know if it's technically Santa Monica. It's like West LA, but it's, yeah, I lived there for a little bit. Yeah. Kind of say it's technically Santa Monica, but it's like right next to the highway. It was so it, funny. It's, it's I remember, shit. <laughs> it, it, I, I, I remember like Mike, who's our, who at the time was our COO and he was like, Steve, like we're right next to the the highway and, you know, it's not a really nice area. Like, you know, we should we should call the cops on all these homeless folks that are hanging around the apartments. And I was like, 
Mike, I was like, they're keeping the property, the prices down. It's just like, they're nice people. Just like, chill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was, look, I remember it was like, I just, there was so many homeless. Cause the other thing is it's really close to like the, the, like a veterans hospital. And people know about how veterans hospitals work. Like normally there's a lot of homeless people that surround them. So like, I just knew all the homeless people. I was just cool with all the homeless people. Like they didn't fuck with me. I didn't fuck with them. I like talked to them by name. Like if I had like extra food or something, I would, I would hook them up with it. Like it, it built character, you know? It, it, good, it, it guy, built guy, character. Good, good guy, Dom. Being, being uh, my from, my uh, favorite my favorite memory uh, of the the apartment you didn't live in, Dom. I I don't know if you were part of that one or not. Was the uh, the the activation you guys did back in the day with the always on cameras in that apartment so that yeah, I could watch like Saint, Vicious and, Saint Vicious and Elements yelling at each other. That was uh, <laughs> we we missed that content. For for those of you who don't know, they literally just put a bunch of cameras inside where they lived and just left them on the entire time. And it was yeah. fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, even while they were sleeping and stuff, it was like yeah. it was a little over it was the like top. this is a little bit of an invasion <laughs> of privacy. Like, can I please like not be on camera for like well, I remember yeah. there was one time where like Saint almost started having sex on camera. It's like, like, like he he was on the edge of it. He like thought that it, he was safe, and then like finally like somebody told him like somebody like was like yo like just fuck like a little bit to the right, and he was just with the girl. He's like oh shit, like, he just like he just like, inch out of the fucking frame. Like it was some good times, man. It was some good times. What given all these different great memories that we have, what do you think is one of the worst ideas that you had that you were able to pivot away from? And, you know, now you look back on and you're able to laugh about it. You mean in terms of roster building? No, in terms no, of, no. in terms of like, like, you know, being an org leader, being in the space. Yeah. Um, having to pivot on something. Uh, I, I mean, related to league of legends, uh, promotion relegation was pretty, pretty tough man like we had our backs against the wall lcs right. was about to be formed we figured oh if we don't win in this promotion relegation we're going to pay more money to get into a permanent franchise position it's going to cost millions of dollars in a market where investment was like just starting to happen in in esports it 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 wasn't kind of full force so you know raising capital was going to be a, an issue and yeah, I mean, that's when everything happened with like bringing in Doublelift as a mercenary to come and save the team in promotion relegation and midlit and, you know, uh, moving I agree that was mid. ethically questionable, Steve. The, the double <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I don't know if it's ethically. I mean, there are rules associated know, with the know, league look, and I am I following know. the rules. And I, <laughs> Look, man, I, I was also following the rules when I took uh -huh. CLG out of the LCS to bring them to Korea for a boot camp and put Hotshot GG back in the roster. I was technically following the rules. However, I would not, in retrospect, say that that was ethically the best thing to do. Oh, that was that was perfect for us. You guys went to Korea, got worse somehow, and then we got to beat you guys in a in a series. I was chilling. You know? was, three other series? I think we did. Yeah, yeah we, we did won that series. series because yeah. the players didn't practice what we played in Korea. It was brilliant. The whole thing was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was great. Well, look, I, my favorite part of of being with with Curse was during the season. Like we kind of came to the like Steven already came to the conclusion that like the Saint, like the dynamic with Saint and the players, like the players didn't want to play with Saint, right? And I was like already living in the house, and I was already like I was banned at the time, but I was gonna be available for next year, so I already was going to be on the main team. And then I had to watch the team get fucking relegated. So I had to play for four months. Like this was the most stressful time of my entire life because rele relegations didn't happen immediately after summer split. They happened December 22nd. I still remember the date because it was like that fucking crazy. So you had to practice 
on like off-season patches, you know, like how crazy off-season patches were from August to December to then play your relegation matches. And that was just going to determine like whether you made, uh, whether you got to keep your LCS spot or not. So that was fucking great. I, I, I love just like watching the team. I'm like, nice. This team is doing great. They're like first in the regular season. How could this go? And then suddenly it's like, fuck, they got to relegate. Fuck. I, like, why did I choose to be on this team? Like ruined, almost ruined my life. But, you know, it was, it was okay. You know, everything worked out in the end. So it ended up being good. Yeah, Good times, Steve. a great Good thing, times. a great thing to get rid of there, Steve. Uh, let's focus <laughs> back on in onto this season. You had the regular season go down. You guys end up being one of the top teams along with Cloud9. Uh, and it, it, I kind of then let's 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 look at not only this this regular season, but also this last playoff series, uh, this playoffs. You get pushed to the brink by evil geniuses and then you, you drop the series against 100 Thieves. Was this something that surprised y'all or is this something that you're like, okay, uh, either we, we fell behind or the gap's closing, whether it's because they got better or we got worse? Yeah, I mean, I think the EG series was not a surprise. I think most of us as coaches were like, look, this could go either way. Like, based on how we've scrimmed them in the past and how they're playing. It comes down to a few things about their play, which I won't get into because we have to play them again. But, you know, <laughs> we're like, okay, this is going to be close. So that wasn't that wasn't a surprise, you know, and I think they they pushed us as a team. And I thought that was a great series. You know, uh, I think EG showed up like they were competitive. I thought they played pretty well. So that was good. The 100 Thieves series. I, I have a question on that series first. How yeah. much did it cost to get them to draft Nidalee Renekton in game five? Just wondering. Oh my like, God, what was that? That was... <laughs> <laughs> there were, I guess he thought he was Canyon or something. He's like, just going to pull it off. Canyon didn't even win that game. So yeah, like, what are you Canyon's talking about? Not winning that, like, like, who is He's like, I'm going to do better than him. So, okay, I'm better than Canyon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I think... Uh, you know, that, that was a good series. And then when we played 100 Thieves, I thought, um, you know, based on scrims, like, oh, this is going to be a good series. Like, hopefully 3-0, 3-1. Uh, the guys had a lot of confidence. I feel like we match up well against them. And then some poor band pick, I'd say, which made the games really difficult. Yeah. Dom? Yeah, ban Orn, please. That's all I got to say is like Orin seems pretty fucking good. And I'm just tired of watching Orin just win like ever. Like some days, like seven wins, one loss on Orin or something just in the playoffs. Like it's just, it's just one of those picks where I feel like no one wants to ban Orin because I think it hurts your top laner's ego most of the time. Like most top laners just want to play against it. Oh, it'll be fine. Like, look, Orin's not going to win them the game. As long as we do well elsewhere, like it'll be okay. And then you just see the Orin get like one kill. Suddenly he's just unkillable for the rest of the game. He's frontlining, engaging, just doing everything. And, you know, you, you just wonder what the fuck happened to Orin for the last, like, five weeks or six weeks because Champion hasn't changed. Champion hasn't changed in a while. So uh, it doesn't seem like many people are playing, like, counter picks. actually, in North America. It feels like people just play, like, like just even lanes. And when that's the case, I think Orin just becomes really, really ridiculous. So... Yeah, yeah, I think Orange is just really strong. It's like one of those times, and and Dom, you know this. Like you're playing in a team, you practice a bunch of champions to counter oh, yeah. Orn, like whether it's lane matchups or it's team fight composition or whatever it is. You 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 have a certain result in scrims where you develop a level of confidence based on what you play, and then you try it out, and it shit's just not working, right? And like the champion's still relevant. I mean. We, we tried to pull through the Braum pick, which a lot of people are probably like, well, what the fuck? Why Braum? You know, like out of nowhere. And we we're like, ah, you know, cancels the Ornolt and you know, maybe. So 
I think we're maybe overthinking it a bit. You know, it's like, okay, you underestimate the the priority of a particular champion. And, you know, every team has a priority list of like what it is. And then as you get into the series, that priority changes a little bit based on the matchup. So I think that was definitely part of it. I, th I think right now when I'm watching Pro League, it feels like a lot of teams are drafting in ways where it's like you, you want to be like the point of your draft is to give yourself the best chance to win and the other team's like worst chance to win. But I feel like they're not really maximizing how hard they could screw over another team in draft. And this is like around the world. So many times where I'm just like, just ban the champions that are that they're good at. Like you don't need to beat them at their best. Like you can beat them at their worst. And like that's that's a perfectly fine and valid way to win a championship. So like I'm I'm super down for like really just banning teams out and hey look c9 didn't do it either and now they're they got 3-0'd like they didn't want to ban the orn either so is what it is well they banned in game three but you know first two games they didn't ban it <laughs> monty yeah. looked like you had something that you wanted to say there uh i i wanted to ask a different question if we're done with yeah. this this line um i'm curious about the hiring of Gyoto during the off season because he uh, behind the scenes Gyoto is uh i don't know how many fans know this but he's a, usually a very well respected coach um, like a great emotional manager seen as very good at developing players uh, historically, but this is a very different kind of team where he's, I think for the first time interacting with a significant number of veteran players or like an entirely veteran roster, which is really different to what he's done in the past. So first off, why did you want him as the head coach in this situation? And also what do you think his value is in this situation? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll go back and I'll talk a little bit about, you know, we had we had um, Kane originally where we had a bunch of championship wins. And I think Kane was very much uh, uh, he knew he knew the game. He, he could talk about the game. He had respect from the players, but he lacked a little bit with like leadership and um, kind of motivation and kind of more of the. That, that part of coaching, the mental part of coaching, not just the in-game uh, analytical part of coaching and understanding. So uh, that, that, that was what was great about Kane. And then we got into Jat, who was kind of the opposite, right? Like was good with leading meetings and he was good at managing people. He could handle some of the business side of like, Hey, let me assign responsibility to the head analyst or the, you know, the junior analyst to go and do this project. And let me use my assistant coach and put them on this. So that kind of the management aspect of head coaching, he was excelling in. And he also did a good job of like recruiting and changing his team. And it was almost like the business of coaching that he was really good at. But when it came to some of the in-game conversations with experienced players, you know, if you don't have that level of respect from certain players, you just lose it, right? And then the players aren't going to uh, kind of follow direction when it comes to in-game stuff. And I think when we had this roster, we thought, okay, well, we've got a bunch of experienced guys and most of the conflict is probably going to come not from attitude issues or somebody, you know, not being as passionate about the game, uh, you know, immaturity. Um, it's going to be just facilitating conversation and being productive. And so we thought he was going to be good at doing that based on his him interviewing with us. And um, it's turned out to be true. I mean, uh, 
what's different about this roster in comparison to other ones is that the guys get into a room and they have a conversation, they have differences of opinion, and they come out the other side respecting each other, they're able to communicate, and nobody's losing that will to win. There's no like issues, so to speak. You know, like typically there's an issue with a particular player or a dynamic between two players. Like that doesn't exist. So it's just talking about the game all the time. Um and he and he's doing less of like, oh, do play this way. This is the right way to macro the game or we want to do this. It's more facilitating conversations between the players so that they come to a conclusion or consensus on how they want to play the game. So yeah, I think this is this is similar to what Revenge has said to me about Giotto as a coach and his strength is that he he really like helps you arrive at your own conclusions about the game and that he is much more of a kind of you know Socratic method teacher yeah. um in a way. Uh I'm I'm I so I know we're not going to get in as much as I would like to. I know you're not going to get into the whole what happened last year scenario. Uh, so I'm going to creatively ask a different question, Steve, which is as follows. Now, it, I think it's obvious Jat has a good level of game knowledge because of the comments that he makes on the broadcast. So like, it, I, I think that with certain players, it can be hard to encourage them that you may know different things than those players know, let's put it that way, or you have different knowledge sets about the game. What do you think would happen if Jat was your coach this year as opposed to last year? He would be way more successful this year. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll just, we'll, you guys interpret that as you want. I just think that's a creative way to, to discuss this issue. Yeah. And that, that was kind of, close to what my question was, Monty, which was like, what makes, why do you think there are no conflicts with this roster? What makes this composition of players, coach, staff so unique compared to every other time that every other team that thinks they've got it down, including you guys, uh, didn't quite have that. What, what makes this one so special to you? Yeah, I mean, I think the quality of the players is really high. I think their ceiling is really high. Um, I'm not just saying this, but like you'll listen to scrims and it feels like they're playing on stage. Everyone is super try hard. They're communicating. Nobody's checked out. Like everyone is fully fucking present during scrims. And I've never seen that before, honestly. Like usually you have four out of the five or two out of the five or like, you know, something is holding back scrims from being effective. And when the guys are done with scrims, it's not just they're tired. They're like, Oh my gosh, like we just put everything into that last block. Like I I don't know how to say it. Like they're, they're everybody's super try hard. Like everyone wants to win. Everyone is pushing themselves as hard as they possibly can. Like I I have no doubt that they're leaving everything during every day of scrims without having to be told any of that. Like they're self-motivated. Uh that's what's different about this roster and kind of what is, is, is partly exciting when I like watch the scrims and see them practice and stuff. It's just, it's a different vibe. Oh, and also too, like when they, when we go to dinners and hang out, like nobody's looking at their phone, which is really atypical. Usually players are like playing games and like chatting or talking to people. I don't know. They're just like not paying attention. They're not present. Like these guys are just present. They're talking, they're hanging out all the time. I'm not just saying that it's for real. Like they'll go to dinner and they'll hang out with each other. <laughs> They're not, I'm, 
Or like disconnect. It sounds so weird, but it's like a big deal, I think. Imagine being socially well-adjusted and a professional player. <laughs> what a world we live in. <laughs> well, I, I, I have a question for you, Steve, um, because, you know, like I obviously played for, for Curse slash Team Liquid for, for years, and I got to see the first coach that we ever had. I don't know if you remember Roman as, as a coach. Oh, that's the reaction I wanted right there. So how does Giotto compare <laughs> to Roman as a coach? Wait, who's um, Roman? I, I actually don't have this one logged in the... No one like knows who Roman is. I lived with the guy. I still don't know. He said maybe five words the entire time he, he was our coach. So look, look, just, just so everyone's on the same page. So Roman was a guy that was hired to be our coach. He gave like a really big speech to us. Like this is when you'd, you'd interview like um, online, right? And because like getting people to come into your, your organization, it's not like everyone was localized within LA. So... Right. He did an interview and he was like, you know, I'm going to be the enforcer, man. I'm going to come in there. I'm going to crack some skulls. And then it was like, damn, this is what we need. We need somebody who's actually going to like get us on track and be and 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 get us focused and motivated to win the games. So everything sounded great. He came to L.A. to be our coach. And the first three weeks, he didn't say one word. And his mentality was like, before I can coach, I have to observe. And he would just sit in a director's chair on his phone the entire time that we scrimmed and just do nothing. Like he wouldn't give us any feedback after the game. He would just observe for three weeks and then Steve fired him and we all wanted him fired. We're like, this guy, like, this is just awkward, man. This guy's just watching us. Like, I, like, I think he's going to kill us, Steve, please, like, please fire him. So I just yeah, wanted to I'd say there's, I, there's a big difference between then and, and now. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of interesting. You know, you interview folks and you and you uh you get a vibe and you think and stuff turns out to be different than what you expect sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're saying uh, so you're saying uh if you haven't met somebody in person but you interview them online to be the head coach of your team, sometimes they're different than the online interview. Yeah. Oh. Crazy. I wonder if C9 knew that. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> somewhere oh, I didn't know we were going. Incriminating C nine. That's we just right. walked into that trap. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I did. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely did, Steve. Uh, all right. I think our time's coming to an end here. I kind of wanted to ask, like, any any final thoughts, final words. Obviously, worlds here in North America. You guys have put a big investment. Uh, what do you want to leave us with here uh, on the jungle? Yeah, uh, it's been good to hear uh, be here. Just hang out a little bit. It's been a minute since we last chatted. So thanks for having me on the show. Uh, appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're. We're in it to win it. Um, we're not going to be uh, satisfied unless we're winning a championship here in spring, and uh, our eyes on are on that, and then winning another one, and then going to Worlds. So, you know, hopefully we can we can pull it off in two games in Houston, and then uh, head to MSI, and we'll see how we do. <laughs> uh, so excited for that. I, I have a, I have a, a final question here um, because we've we've talked about TL a lot on the show and. I mean, we we obviously when you see the the roster that you've put together, the standards that we've put on it is like winning spring, winning summer, and then like top eight to top four at Worlds, depending on your bracket, is like what should be expected. Do you think that's fair? I do. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I mean, you know, um, one can be scared of high expectations, but you know, I think it comes with the territory of trying to win and. Uh, 
you know, we're not going to check the box. We're going to build competitive rosters and the games that we participate in. And this year was a year that we have high expectations. Yeah, it comes with the territory. So if we don't, then we'll have failed. But, you know, uh, it doesn't it's not that's not going to deter us from from building a, a roster that can do really well. You know, like. We shouldn't have our best performance being at MSI internationally. Uh, we need to do well at Worlds. So this is the year. Hopefully we do it. Are you got Monty? Any final question? What, what changes are you making to your CSGO roster? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just tell you. <laughs> Thanks for that one. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Uh, Big Steve, everybody. Thank you so much for coming on and making time yeah. on your busy day. And best of luck for the rest of this league team and the rest of the whole uh, esports calendar year. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Bye, guys. Cool to have Big Steve to come on to the show and chat, reminisce about good old times, hopefully future good times. And, you know, he set the expectation pretty high about all the success there. And we here on our show, we like to talk about success. Not too much, though. Otherwise, you know, we won't get the interaction on Reddit and Twitter that we we normally get about never saying anything. But good. it starts but with success. Our... <laughs> it starts with success. <laughs> we don't start with success, though, because we know where that leads. A loss, right? Yeah. yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Look, I feel a lot well, better when you start with the negativity. Like, let me tell you, like, I've started doing my predictions off negativity. They're way better than they were when... Uh, when I was actually doing them off like raw analysis, like, trust me, this weekend, I was like, you know, TL shouldn't lose to 100 Thieves. When you look at the roster and like how they play, there's really no edge that 100 Thieves have. And I was like, uh, I caught myself. I had the hope. I believed in NA for a second. I was like, 100 Thieves 3-2. I just, I just sniped that one quickly. And, you know, I mean, it's better when you just predict off just like feeling rather than actually using your brain. Thanks, guys. Uh, but not for the fans, only for Dom, because he has cultivated his his gut instinct over a number of years. You're just a TSM fan. That's the difference, guys. There well, it is. For, I mean, for, for, for me, it's actually more that just like I, I've just experienced so much disappointment <laughs> in North America that like I just I. I will always find a way for myself to be even more disappointed because I normally set the expectations like pretty low, you know, like for me, it's like. You know, top four at MSI is good enough. Like we just need to beat PCS, and I'm I'm, and I'm happy that didn't even fucking happen last last split like last year. So now I've just decided to catch myself every time wherever I think NA will go, I just vote one one tier lower, and then I'm correct. Perfect. <laughs> fucking detonation, focus me. All right, let's uh, close it out here with Goddard Dog, the place where we will say something nice about uh, a player, and then one of those players that did disappoint us. Less games to do it here with, less matches to do it here with, so uh, this one, if we have overlap, we have overlap. Let's start with you, Dom. Who was your uh, God of the Week? Uh, my God of the Week. I'm going to go Gala on this. I thought he was playing really well, um, and his team is kind of griefing him, and he's still just playing really consistently, so... I was I was really happy with Gala's play. Um, I think he's just in really good form. He just plays a variety of champions. He's pulling out some things that other people aren't, like Tristana, for example, and not even just Tristana and Tazeri. Um, and yeah, I just I think that he's 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 in really good form right now. So he's going to be my god. 
Monty, I'm, I'm going to take Rookie, who can tank an unbelievable amount of aggro in the draft, including four mid lane bans across two different series. And somehow he still comes out. Well, he lost one of them, but it wasn't really his fault. And then look dominant when he gets one of the champions that you just can't let him, let him have. So for me, it's pretty crazy how hard he can carry this V5 team. And I'm hoping we get to see him win that LPL title. Uh, for me this week, I'm hey, look, can I it... guess it? It's going to be like Danny or something or Jojo. Cause, cause you it, love it. Was, it was, it's it was Danny. Jojo. Pian. It was oh, yeah. It was not Danny. It was Jojo Pune because I yeah, feel like Jojo. Danny, he he got Zeri three games. It's that's illegal. So <laughs> yeah, no, I think they Jojo's, well. Jojo's always had like this high ceiling, and he's hit it a couple times. But I feel like during the season, he he started to kind of like struggle a little bit. Now it feels like he's ramping back on up. I mean, it was that or Abadage's interview skills. That that would be godlike as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That was pretty insane. I, I, how do you do it, Degon? Just like, how, how do you just maintain policy? Because you've seen a lot of the failures of North America. Like, yeah. I've done shows with you for a long time now. We're like four or five yeah. years in, and you stay yeah. like positive. You stay hopeful. Like, how do you not I, just hate everything like I do? I, I think it's because I, I guess. It's the drugs. I, I really just want to see it. See it, see it, see it. It's, it's the drugs. Yeah, it's your drugs. It's your drugs. That's why everyone else fights with you, dude. Uh, no, no, no. I, I think it's it, it's really just the hope that we will get better at some point and someday. And it'll just feel that good. Who, don't you have like a fan? Like, a, 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 aren't you a fan of a sports team that hasn't had that in a long time? Yeah, but the I Dolphins. Hate yeah, exactly. But I like hate the Dolphins. Like I like I like the Dolphins are my favorite team, but like I like I like want to see them continue losing. Like I fucking hate them, these motherfuckers. Like every time they do something, like they fired our coach. I was like, fuck, I hate you guys. Like please just please just fucking keep on keep on doing poorly so I can continue flaming you. I guess I guess in my lifetime, right? Uh Monty can attest to that. We've had the Broncos find success with the guy that was supposed to do it with with John Elway. And then mm -hmm. we realized, hey, our fan base is hating us. We hate everything. Shit, had to you go buy feel young. What the we fuck? We had to go you buy guys... Peyton Manning, right? <laughs> and then yeah. after that, like I've had the Nationals uh without Bryce Harper. That was like a teamwork way to do it. We had the Washington Capitals with Ovechkin and like the anointed one be able to do it. So like there's multiple different ways to win and you just you just keep hoping that that one day comes because it does feel like really, really good when it works. So whoever it is in NA, I, I, it's going to be a great time. And what better way to do it here in North America? That's not a really good reason. But, you know, uh, it does look like our teams are at least trying different things. Like, look at it. A hundred thieves bought their roster. Uh, mm -hmm. TL bought their roster, but constructed it within like uh, creative rule sets. And then EG are the ones investing into the the young talent. So we have three different like uh, strategies within this North American, you know, yeah. top three. So I'm I'm interested in that. That, that I just can't wait. Going. So I, I think Hundred Thieves will uh, be playing TL in the finals. I think TL is going to beat EG. So I can't wait to just get the ten import finals, just like we got the the winner bracket um, <laughs> finals. Just <laughs> literally just I'm looking at my region, it's that. like. Not one American on this whole fucking stage. I'm like, yep, that's that's where we've gone. And, and so the, the craziest thing is that, like, it doesn't matter where they come from. They just become American after playing in LCS. Like, they just become, <laughs> like, American teams. And I'm just like, how did this happen? Like, somehow, somehow, I swear. We have two take... world championships in, in the top three teams right now. Yeah. True, true. Okay, so I swear you could take T1 right now, right? T1 right now, you can move them to NA, 
somehow by the end of the split, they would just be like Baron throwing with 100 Thieves. It would just be a complete fucking shit fest. 100 Thieves would beat them 3-2 or something. Like, I, I don't know how the fuck it happens, but like you just become American when you play in LCS. I would... I would it's really the quality of practice. I mean, I can just I can just tell you right now that in Overwatch, NA players were not very good compared to Korean players. And when all of the teams were in LA and the the outside of of uh scrim time solo queue in Overwatch was the best in the world. It was better than it was in Korea because all the play pro players were playing at the same time outside of their scrim blocks. And what would what would you know? The NA teams actually got good enough to compete with the Korean teams. And then we started having mixed NA and Korean rosters win actual titles. So the problem is the, the practice environment is God terrible damn. here. Uh, so. and, and people hated watching NA win so much that everyone stopped watching Overwatch at the same time. Like, we can't have this. It's too positive. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's just, like, kill it off. Like, let's watch some Valorant and get depressed again. Like, is it on right now? Perfect. <laughs> Jeez. All right. But well, it, is, it is a serious issue where it's like, I do think it's just the competitiveness of the practice environment because we have other cases where we knew that Koreans were better and then we put all the Koreans and NA people together in NA and the NA teams got much better. So holy shit. So we just got to like bring all of Korea. Well, we're going to do NA. it at Worlds, Dom, but it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Well, we got to do it. We got to do it for a longer period of time. We've just got to be like, look, COVID was, was really bad right here. Why don't you guys all all the LCK players <laughs> are just build another LCK within LA. We'll all LA, LACK. Yeah, it will be LA. Look, LA, LA is already half Korean anyway, so I think it works. Yeah, literally, it's like we have a whole town. Like we have a whole town for everyone. Like, please, everybody is welcome in Los Angeles to play the the League of Legends and increase this the scrim quality. But yeah, I do uh, think it's not even about seriously, that. It's I, about making them worse. It's about like now you have to play <laughs> with sixty ping. Like we've got to just kill off their their, their region. That's what happened to Summit. Summit. Summit reached the limit. He was like, oh, okay. Like this would have worked if I was on the internet, not on LAN. That every time. That's what it was. Um oh, let's go dog. Dog for the days. Uh oh, come on. It, it has to be it has to be summit that we threw out of the airlock earlier. Like the thing about it else. is that what? I've got somebody You have somebody else? else? All right. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think like in isolation, the Camille pick works in game two in a theoretical framework, but the, pr the practice of it is, is like if he's in this bad form, you can't be drafting like that because then you just don't have any win conditions. Because if the win condition is the Orn Camille matchup and you're going to start like a 4 1 split composition with Siege from the Trundle, Corky, Jinx, Tom Kench, then you actually have to apply pressure. And if he's just going to play extremely badly, then there's there's no remaining hope. Right. So I think. Given his condition, I preferred to see the way that he played in the Golden Guardian series, even though we didn't learn anything because Golden Guardians played horrifically. But I think them playing him weak side and deprioritizing him a little bit was the way to move forward. This just showed that their approach in this series, trying to have him play some of these hyper carries was misguided and he couldn't live up to the expectations that he justifiably earned as who will be the mm -hmm. MVP of this split. Uh, we're not going to erase his fantastic regular season, but something's deeply broken within this team. As we discussed at length, it doesn't feel like they're drafting the way that most people on the team think thinks makes sense, which means that somebody is the saboteur uh, and it appears to be Summit. Dom, who you got? Someone different. I've got, I've got so I, I had a couple I was going, I, I almost said way, but I'm going to give way 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a pass. He had some good Viego go. games. Yeah, I mean, I just like for his quality of play. I mean, this guy like at his peak is somebody who plays like one of the absolute best junglers in the world, and he's just playing kind of bad right now, which is a huge like. Um, I I would also argue that at least Wei, you know, saved he saved some games with some impressive, like he Baron stole yeah. a game that actually won them a game. So he, he a, did dig them out of the, he, did, he dug them out of the hole at times too, but yes. But the person I was actually going to go with is Blabber because I feel like Blabber is just not playing like, so because Summit's been playing so fucking badly, it's like, let Blabber kind of go under the radar. But in reality, it's like Blabber is somebody who should be up to that fucking standard too. You know, like Blabber's sure. the guy who, what, I mean, when, when C9 was playing their best, they had the best jungler in the league by far and the best top in the league. Like, Blabber was the best jungler. Like, he was shitting on everyone. And he just goes through these phases where he's just he's just playing kind of okay to, like, bad, where he doesn't even look competitive with the other junglers, where it's like, dude, you are supposed to be so much better than what you're doing right now. And it feels like whenever the team starts breaking down and they start having problems, he's somebody who suffers a lot just as a player. It seems like bad environments seem to, to really affect his performance. Um negatively and i just feel like he's not playing anything like himself i mean i think blabber's really fucking good um i think he's the the best jungler in the history of north america i know people are like but xmithy has a fucking smithy all right blabber is the best we've ever had okay blabber is the the highest quality jungler that has ever existed in north america and i want to see him playing like that i want to see him just shitting on everyone within the region or at least doing well you know like it, instead of it being like he goes from being like a fifth place jungler to like a first place jungle it should be like he's the best jungler when he's playing well and when he's playing kind of bad it should be like second or third it shouldn't be like oh you can't even compete with these other guys all of a sudden i i think what i've noticed about blabber now is like he's a very emotional and momentum based player where it's like when the team is doing well like he does very well and it seems like when there are synergy problems within the team he just plays real bad um and be... and it's weird it's weird because he he personally because i've chatted with him after the games and had the interviews it doesn't seem to like affect him viscerally he's very logical about it like yeah no i agree so it's weird but i just in my observations of kind of his ups and downs it, it he he goes as the team goes a lot of the time yeah. which is true of many junglers like it's it's tough to not be that way as a jungler, but it just feels like he plays differently when his teammates are not up to snuff. So are you saying he had too many downs this uh this series? Too much downs? <laughs> no, that's what you're saying. <laughs> oh no, I was asking you. That's what I was trying to, I was trying to understand. <laughs> no. No, I am not. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That was nice. Uh good job, Monty. Um I think for me I would go with uh Whippo on the top side of the map. I think he ran into the Orn and there was no solution to it. And someday was just dunking him. And even then, before that, uh, the Trindamir game, I felt like someday was still finding ways to have an impact of Whippo on the Aatrox. I wanted him to take over the game a little bit more. And uh, I think he struggled. And I think Steve alluded to this in the interview where it's like sometimes you think, you know, some of these like counter picks or like wacky, wacky picks that Blippo has work really well in scrims. And then like you get on stage and people play more conservatively, you don't get those leads and then they just look dumb. So yep. he basically he basically outed, I think, Blippo in. The, if, I'll just put words into his mouth. I don't, I don't care. Uh, I think <laughs> my interpretation. We already Steve, got the fucking um, interview. Who cares? Like, <laughs> like, what is he going to do? Not come back my, to another show? Like, 
he might my, not ever my be interpretation, again. <laughs> my interpretation of Steve's comments is that he watched yeah. scrims and Blippo was doing great with some of these matchups and that's why they didn't ban Orn and then they didn't work on stage. That's my interpretation. I think that's a pretty, that's probably accurate. Yeah. I, I, so. Yeah, no, exactly. Like when I heard him talk about Jat, he just said that Jat knew nothing about League of Legends. That's how I interpret it. It's probably what he meant. So. <laughs> he, he knew <laughs> nothing about League of Legends, idiot. but he would do better this split. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah, because, because <laughs> what he was saying is that the, the players are so smart that, you know, like the fact that he doesn't know anything wouldn't actually hurt them at all. So they don't need yeah, it. There definitely, there definitely couldn't have been player egos last year that may have been involved with uh, the coaching structure that they have. Not no, I mean, well, I, I, I think that he, he uh, you know, hit it right on the head. Like he was when you look at Jad, he was really good at delegating, um, you know, responsibilities to, to certain people like he delegated Alfari to work at McDonald's for four weeks and, you know, that ended up working out really well. So. He, he, he delegated Alfari's role to, to Jenkins. That was look, brilliant. Look, by this point in the show, oh I don't say anything that has any substance anymore. Like, at this point in the show, I am literally just saying bullshit sarcastically. So, like, if you yeah. want anything else this out of me, just this turn, is a, it, this turn is, it This off. show always gets loopy at the end because yeah. I've, I've been doing shows since it's like my sixth hour of show and my, my filters just got at that point then. This is the danger zone of me me saying i know that's, that's why i was really really impressed with you dodging dom just a second ago uh and of course to, this tried is, to trick me but it didn't work this is this is the part where uh fans will come and this is the comment these guys don't even care anymore at the end look uh, we care more than the fucking pro players that we're talking about at least so like yeah you know yeah, I, yeah, i've yeah. done i've done more talk shows than pro players practice in a single day today so fuck those guys that true. is true Fact. the way that it's the way that it's <laughs> structured now it used to not be that way all right uh with that y'all thank you so much for joining us thank, again big thanks to big steve uh for coming on in and talking give us some insight on tl from last season this season and beyond um for more content make sure to like and subscribe like this video, subscribe to the Deserto channel. We're almost over the Astralis number. Astralis sitting at like 11,000. We're at like 9,000 now. We're just 2,000 behind. Come on, guys. We we are better than the worst of Europe. Get us in there. Uh, <laughs> and then where can people find you this week, Monty? Uh, well, uh, I, I'll be I'll be doing a watch party, so you should watch my watch party and Dom's watch party at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We know you guys well, have I'll, I'll be doing a watch party where you could actually watch the game, which is uh Yeah, well, you different. know, Riot likes me even less than they like you. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, I get messages from Riot. Like, I got a message today from Riot where it's like, just by the way, like, you're allowed to stream, co-stream finals and third place match. And I was like, that's what we, that's what we said the whole time. Did this almost change or like why the fuck did you tell me like <laughs> why did you tell me this today? Like it's like they're always like just in case like you just in case like you you were unclear, you can actually co-stream the final. You haven't got banned yet. And it's like well, okay, man. Like, I feel like they do it they're just, because they're just they're just reminding you. They're, they're, yeah. What Riot is, is they're just a protection racket, Dom. And they'll be like, Well, wow, you, you it'd be a shame if anything happened to these nice final stream co-streams, Dom, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be a shame? I mean, how how would you feel, Monty, if your like wife wife came up to you like today and then it was just like, just by the way, Monty, I just wanted you to know that I I still do find you attractive. 
Like you'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, look, look, as far as as far as the riot relationship goes, it, it you know, it beats uh, me just waking up one morning in Korea and then having an email that says you've been banned. You have a week to sell your team. No, we won't tell you any of the reasons why. That was a that was a fabulous morning for me. Yeah, I don't think I told you guys when when I got told I wasn't getting like I guess I had just gotten to the LCS and there I got pulled into a meeting with my manager and was like, hey there might be a change in the future that might affect your work. Don't worry, we're going to go to Worlds in China, so you'll have three months to figure it out. And then I went to, right after that, went to another meeting where they're like, hey, we're going for best of threes and best of ones. Everyone started cheering. And I was like, I'm, I've been here for three months. I'm getting fired. <laughs> What's going? <laughs> and then no one was here for the next three months to help talk me through what I was supposed to do. And then I went to Golden Guardians, where that was a dumpster fire because they fired the only person that knew what they were yeah, doing, which was local. So positive now. I can see why you're so positive now. You're like, <laughs> like at least I get to interview players. Like no one's like ruining my life currently. So I, like I could be hopeful. Like that's the least yeah. I can do. Uh, Dom, so you're doing the co-streams. What else do you do in this week? Where can people find you? I am just only co-streaming. I, I keep on telling people that I, I'm going to stream, but like, I mean, the problem is I don't want to fucking smurf and I play on my account and I just get 20 minute cues because this game is completely fucking dead within North America. So I'm probably just going to do the co-streams, do a couple talk shows, and then I, you probably won't see me for like three, four weeks until uh, MSI starts. Like, you're going to go take be... a nice vacation. I think you deserve a vacation, Dom. Are you going to take a vacation? I am taking a vacation. I'm going to Miami. I'm seeing my parents for the first time in like three years. Um, Congrats. So yeah, I'm going on vacation for a week. Great. Awesome. So I'm, not, I'm, like, I'm not one of those people that travels much. Like, I can call my parents and it feels fine. You know, I'm not like one of those. I'm I mean, sure also, your like, parents will appreciate it, Dom. No, they actually fucking hate me. They're like, they're like, no, we don't want to see you. Like, please don't come. Have they, have uh, they sent you a me. message yet telling you that uh, you're still able to come to Miami to visit them? Yeah. Yeah, no, they, 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 they tell me, like, by the way, like, just in case you're wondering, like, we still do love you. Like, it's like, <laughs> like <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, I guess. Like, I didn't think... All right, we brought it full circle. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can... <laughs> I will be on site at Houston on Sunday. Uh, so you can catch me there if you guys have tickets or we'll be going to that. Um, I'll be there. Uh, and then I guess before that, I've got my fan control football stuff. It was on NBC. We had 2 million unique viewers just on oh, Twitch. Um, yeah, we were. Uh, my voice was on SportsCenter because Terrell Owens caught a touchdown. And like I was setting up the play before and then the play-by-play -play took it. It was cool. It was cool. So you can catch that wait, on wait, Saturday. Wait, how many... Oh, we had 2 million views on Twitch? 2 million unique viewers, yep. Oh, okay. What Around that, what 2 million. The, what was the average? It's got to be like 100K plus, right? A average was lower. I don't I don't remember. That's the stat that the CEO keeps pushing at us. But it was Damn. just Twitch. And we're on like NBC, NBC, uh, Peacock, LX, all this other stuff. So it was pretty cool. Um, okay, You'll, we'll, we'll come back to break down the LPL finals, the LCS finals, and you'll hear more shenanigans from us next week. Be sure to tune in. Uh, for now, take care, and we'll see you all next week. See ya.